0: Shabbat shalom. Yesterday was Yom HaShoah – Holocaust Memorial Day. Never again – this seems the one universal lesson. It was and still is the central message that I was taught as a youth growing up in Israel. It's pillar of the Zionist ethos. Never again will the Jewish people rely on the humanitarian impulses of others. The Jewish state will defend itself by itself. And for the people and the nations of the world, the takeaway message from the Holocaust seems also to be never again. We have pledged ourselves never again to allow such darkness to descend upon the world. New institutions now dedicate themselves to world peace. The nations of the world will intervene to prevent tyrants from inflicting genocide on their own people. International justice will prevail. But things always happen again. If something happened once in human affairs, it is proof that it is within the realm of human experience. For both victims and bystanders – the individual and the nations, the same behavior repeats itself again and again. Mass extermination occurs again and again. Mechanized killing is unfolding before our eyes. Gassing children and their parents happened this week again. Forty miles from the borders of the Jewish state – a state built upon the ethos of never again. Those that inflict murder by gassing and their allies continue to deny it again and again. Ethnic cleansing has occurred again and again since the Holocaust – in Europe, in Africa, The Rohingya in Myanmar – ethnic cleansing before our very eyes. Again and again the response of individuals and the nations is the same. We are bystanders again and again. We turn aside again and again. Again and again the same brutality, the same hatreds, the same racisms. Of course it is the same. The dust of human composition is the same that it has always been. Brutality takes different forms. Because history never repeats itself the way we think. No event happens the same way twice. A mathematical equation will produce the same outcome – the identical outcome every time. But a human embryo will produce a unique human being – never before created – and never to be so replicated. For that reason, the laws of history are not scientific or precise, as are the laws of chemistry. History will never produce the identical equation again and again. But. The human traits that produce individual and collective behaviors – they don't change. It's why such behaviors occur again and again. The impulse to kill, brutalize, exploit – these are embedded in every person. We describe these traits as inhuman. But they are ever so human. What Jewish sages called the Yetzer Hara, the impulse to evil, is at the core of the human personality. You have the Yetzer Hara in you too. And of course, we Jews know that the specific and unique hatred of Jews occurs again and again. It was present before the Holocaust. It greased the wheels of the Holocaust and allowed it to spread – no matter what the laws of the government of Poland are. The Poles didn't build Auschwitz. But the Nazis knew what they were doing. There was already pre existing fertile ground in Poland for the final solution. Am I breaking Polish law by saying that? Yeah? Come and get me. Many Poles were not anti Semitic. There were more Polish righteous Gentiles honored at Yad Vashem than any other nationality. Some performed deeds of indescribable courage to save Jews. But millions of Poles were already infected by the virus of anti-Semitism, passed from generation to generation by their mothers' milk. Hatred of Jews has not disappeared from the world simply because the nations of the world have pledged never again. It takes different forms today because no two historical events unfold the same way. But every day, with increasing intensity, we see examples of Jew hatred – again and again. Every day, online and offline, many people fantasize about and voice their desire to send Jews to the gas chambers. The ADL reports that the number of anti-Semitic incidents in the United States surged by 57 percent last year. Watchdog groups report that European Anti Semitism has never been higher since World War II. They caution that there is a normalization of European anti Semitism reminiscent of the early 20th century. Open, unashamed, explicit anti Semitism. The Jew as a banker, the Jew as exploiter, the Jew as baby killer, the Israeli Jew as is Nazi. Jewish monitoring groups warn of the fanatic xenophobia of the extreme right, the ferocious anti Zionism of the extreme left, and the intensification of radical Islamism worldwide. What did we think? That 2,000 years of European anti Semitism would never happen again? Why? Because that kind of thing ceased since Hitler. Nothing more to worry about. It happened once. Humanity got it all out of its system. And now we can await the Messiah in peace, each shading under vine and fig tree and none afraid. Do you listen to the daily threats coming out of Iran? Do you know precisely what Hamas says it wants to do? Why it has mobilized tens of thousands of Gazans on the border of Israel? you following what is going on in the British Labour Party? We know because we have developed finely tuned instincts and senses born of long tragic experiences. That while not all criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic, not by a long shot, some is. We smell the sulfur before we see the fire. The Holocaust is one of those human phenomena that is impossible to understand. The closer you come, the further it is. When you think you finally understand something, it recedes again. I hope you will consider joining our mission to Eastern Europe next year. You will begin to comprehend how incomprehensible it all is. One sentiment that arises in me – and it's a value I tried hard to convey to you – is that the Shoah bestows upon our generation of Jews to live, to survive, and to prosper. To live as human beings and productive members of society, working hard to instill values of tolerance, decency, compassion, freedom, diversity, and respect. And to live as Jews. Don't allow it all to seep away. To look back at what the Jewish people has done over the past seven decades – to see how we picked ourselves up from the valley of despair and reconstituted and reinvigorated our ancient civilization – is to marvel at what human beings can do. We read this passage in the Mishnah. When Rabbi Meir died, the composers of parables ceased. When Ben-Azai died, serious students of Torah ceased. When Ben-Zoma died, the teachers of Torah ceased. When Rabbi Yehoshua died, goodness disappeared from the world. When Rabbi Akiva died, the glory of Torah disappeared. When Rabbi Hanina Bendosa died, the men of action died. When Rabbi Yossi Katnuta died, the pious ceased. When Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai died, the glory of wisdom ceased. When Rabbi Gamliel the Elder died, the glory of Torah ceased. When Rabbi Judah the Prince died, humility and fear of sin ceased. The sages put into words what we all fear. How can we ever recover from loss? How will we go on? How fill the void? How love again? How learn again? How teach again? But people do go on. Judaism did persevere. After Ben-Azai died, great students of Torah remained. After Ben-Zoma died, the great teachers of Torah remained. There is still goodness in the world, even after the death of Rabbi Yehoshua. There are action-minded people. There are pious people. There are wise people. There are still humble people. We can find dignity again. Even after loss, we can find love again. We can rebuild the Jewish people. We can defend the Jewish people. Stay committed to that. Next year we expect to begin our European mission in Munich. I'll never forget my first visit to Dachau. The German concentration camp at the outskirts of Munich. Dachau was an evil place. Not as many people died there as in other concentration camps. But it became a symbol of Nazi atrocities because of its location in the very heart of a Munich suburb. I was struck by the utter normalcy of the place. Dachau is a town. It has everything every other town has. It was a town back then as well. To get to the camp, you walk about a quarter of a mile from the parking lot. You cross the street and some houses. I arrived early, so everything was quiet and normal. I saw a typical German family walking down the neighborhood lane. They were young parents. The mother was holding her bouncing, bubbly baby. A shaggy dog was prancing along with them. I spent a long time looking at this family, just letting my mind wander as they faded away and they became small specks In the distance. Nothing was out of the ordinary. From inside the concentration camp, you can see houses that abut the main building used to process prisoners. In that building, you can still see the hooks hanging from the ceiling they used to hang prisoners on, lashing them with whips and canes. Typical red-roofed houses literally overlook the torture room. The roofs are studded with antennas and satellite dishes. All the trappings of modern, normal life. It is what you would expect to find in any middle-class neighborhood in the Western world. I'm not suggesting that anything is wrong here. I am certainly not suggesting that the younger generations are personally responsible for the deeds of their parents and their grandparents. I simply noticed that people are prepared to live right on top of the place where some 200,000 souls were imprisoned and tortured and where 30,000 were killed. Their first view in the morning as they wake up and drink their coffee, is overlooking the outer perimeter wall into the concentration camp square where tens of thousands of starving, bedraggled, and beaten prisoners lined up every morning for roll call and selection. And I remember thinking to myself, in the end, life moves on. In the end, your tragedies are your tragedies, but others get on with life. Thousands of visitors a day, including group after group of German youth, visit those 20 acres. But the people who live right outside, overlooking that spot, they live normal lives there. They have families there. They raise children there. They have pets. They have satellite TV. Your tragedy is not their tragedy. They live as if nothing happened there. After all, it has been 73 years – this month – since American soldiers liberated Dachau. In the end, Jewish history is our history. If Israel were to ever lose a war, if American Jews were to disappear through irresolution or apathy, there would be many headlines. Books would be published. Many people would express real and sincere sadness. Some would weep. A few might repent. But in the end, they would move on. We would be left with the tragedy. To this day – two thousand years later – we Jews mourn the destruction of the Jerusalem Temple by the Romans. For everyone else, it is a small piece of history that, if they are even aware of it. For us, even after two millennia, it is still an open wound. It will never fully heal. In the end, Jewish responsibility is, Jewish history is our responsibility. Jewish destiny is our responsibility. Jewish life is our responsibility. The Jewish state is our responsibility. Again and again and again we have renewed Jewish life – reinventing and restoring ourselves anew. Again and again and again we have chosen life. It is the imperative Today, as well. See, I have set before you this day, life and goodness, death and evil. Choose life, so that you and your offspring may live.